You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed in Markham, in Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan, in Stowville, in Woodbridge, in Unionville. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer with York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. Our focus this week is the impact of the pandemic on small business owners and also on their employees. Some have altered how they work. Others have even changed what service they provide. Those stories are coming up, but we begin at the Ontario Legislature. Well, small businesses are really feeling the weight of COVID-19 and this what seems like never-ending pandemic. Here with a snapshot of what's working and what or who needs immediate help from the Ontario government is Prabhmeet Sarkaria, Associate Minister of Small Business and Red Tape Reduction for the Ministry of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Ron. And it's an absolute pleasure and uh, very excited to be back so let's start with the first question that is the most important question. How are small businesses faring in Ontario? Are they thriving or are they barely surviving? So, you know, that's a great question. And there has, you know, there's no question about it that, uh, you know, significant impacts have been felt by small businesses, you know, across the province. There has been uh, a significant toll. And right from the start when they, some of them voluntarily shut their doors down and then some were required to shut their doors down. What we see now over the past uh, couple of, uh, you know, weeks and months is, you know, a gain in employment, but it's still a gain of employment, uh, you know, of jobs previous lost. So there is some good news in that. There's a long road ahead, but, you know, our government is committed to supporting small businesses. You know, we brought in uh, supports on, on rental relief um, to the tune of close to a billion dollars. We introduced legislation uh, uh, this week that would protect against evictions for this month again for small businesses, you know, electricity relief to the extent that we have. A lot of sports have gone into it, uh, and we really need to focus on shopping local, you know, shopping safe, buying Ontario-made products so we can support our local businesses. Your government announced earlier this week, on Thursday, in fact, some new COVID-19 restrictions, including reducing the number of people who gather outside to 25 and inside to 10. Now, this is in Toronto, Peel, and Ottawa. What impact will that have on certain small businesses that rely on numbers? So these restrictions will apply to private households, um, and so there's not they're not restrictions on businesses. Uh, and I think that's a, a key a difference between this uh, new announcement and previous announcement is businesses have really gone above and beyond to ensure safety, to ensure that protocols are being followed. And the public health data that we've seen today really shows that uh, the spread is being caused by backyard parties where, you know, a lot of times we get so comfortable we forget to socially distance, we forget to put our masks on. And so that's where the issue is, and that's where we've uh, really tried to cut down on, on some of the activities. So. Uh, as you said, uh, 10 people inside a household uh, but or 25 within private residences outside. So it's a significant move, but one that is needed to, to ensure that we can have a strong economy and to ensure that we can have a good health care system that's ready to absorb any, any new issues. Let's turn our focus to York Region right now. And I think about some of the businesses, big or small, that are really struggling because of 
numbers of people restricted inside and out, certainly not as low as what we're hearing now from your government in terms of household and parties and that sort of thing. But a banquet hall, for instance, and there are so many of them in, in York Region that would normally have several big ballrooms full of people and night after night, day after day, a very different picture for them. How are they surviving? They've also significantly felt the impacts of it. Only recently were they allowed to open their doors to 50 people inside. Some can transition into 100 people outdoors, and that's significant uh, impact to them economically. You know, we've had uh, quite a few conversations with many banquet hall owners and, and trying to see where, you know, some of those supports uh, we could provide, uh, both from the federal government, the provincial government, municipal government. I think we really need to look at it collectively. We, you know, we've tried to do what we can initially through the $10 billion of immediate cash flow help that we provided uh, through the rental assistance, through some of the wage subsidy programs and even the small business loans. But, you know, we recognize that some of these approaches have, have left out and, and significant impacts on, on, you know, banquet hall owners have been felt. Um, and we'll continue to work with them and try to find a solution as quick as possible to, uh, to get them back on their feet. Uh, but we have to, you know, really really focus on the health and safety and, and work with our uh, medical experts uh, when we look at uh, venues or, or businesses that might have the potential to spread uh, more than others. And that's a, a significant requirement as we go forward. A small business owner might be listening right now to this conversation and would need help and might need guidance on how to reach out for that help and what would the strings attached be? So uh, in order to, uh, you know, our office is more than willing to help. Uh, and if there are any questions from small business owners, you can simply uh, email us, list your, you know, issue if you're having one, and we would be more than happy to help you if it's helping you with the municipal level, provincial level, federal level, uh, whether it's accessing the programs, uh, whether it's accessing uh, just information, uh, uncertainty sometimes as new uh, rules or regulations get put into place. So you can email my office, you can email me directly at prabmeet.sarkari.ontario.ca, and we will make sure we get back to you. Okay. So I'm a small business owner. I have put my life savings into my passion, which is the business that I have created. I opened my doors, let's say, a year or two ago, and then, boom, the pandemic hit. And everything that I had hoped for is going down the drain. What do you say to someone like me or someone who has a small business that has meant the world to them? Well, I want to let them know that, you know, this government uh, will be there to support them. We will be there to help them. Billions of dollars have been put forward uh, by the government to help small businesses today, but this is not it. We're still in it. You know, we recognize the need uh, and the support that small businesses across this province need. Um, it's one of the, the, the main um, you know, focuses for us because we know in order to recover from this pandemic, we need strong base of small businesses. They employed before this pandemic 2.4 million Ontarians. And so as we look forward to the next couple of weeks, months, we're working with our Minister of Finance, the Premier, and we're going to be coming up with the second phase of the Ontario Action Plan that will really help get more businesses off their feet, uh, provide more supports to businesses that, you know, they so desperately need. Uh, and I'll continue my consultation with business owners um, that need the support uh, or that have ideas. You know, I've held, held over 90 consultations through roundtables, spoken to hundreds of business owners uh, that are really helping me form and helping the government form uh, what types of supports we need to offer to businesses. And that, I think, is very critical. 
that we, uh, you know, govern by listening to business owners. So, you know, I urge business owners to continue writing in, uh, to continue giving us ideas on, on what we can do best to support them, whether it's rental relief, whether it is um, you know, wage subsidies, whether it's uh, government grants or loans. You know, we're all in this together, and we want to make sure um, that this government, just as it was before, always had the support and, and backing of small businesses, that we continue to support them and we continue to create an environment uh, at which they can thrive. One of the saddest things that I see from time to time in York Region is a business that is shuttered, that has had no choice but to shut down and for good. What do you say to that? Look, the pandemic has definitely, um, you know, hurt many small businesses. You know, I've, I've heard these heartbreaking stories, and it, and it truly hurts to see those businesses um, and the impacts this pandemic uh, has had, you know, it was certainly unpredictable. Um, you know, we came into this with some of the highest job growth we had seen in this entire province ever. But we've tried to do everything we can to support our businesses, whether it's, um, you know, the $10 billion that we pumped in, uh, you know, through uh, deferrals at the start, whether it was, you know, commercial emergency rent assistance program to the tune of a billion dollars, whether it was digital Main Street, a $57 million investments to get our businesses to go digital, to pivot digital, uh, given the new e-commerce uh, 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 environment that many businesses had to operate and whether it was trying to flow more funding, working with our federal partners to flow more funding. Um, the supports, you know, we've really tried to make sure that we um, put everything on the table for small businesses. Uh, and as we look forward to, to the next couple of weeks and months, we want to continue making sure that we do that. Uh, but we want to make sure that when we come out of this now, our goal and aim has always been that Ontario needs to be the best place uh, in the world to start a business, grow a business, retool a business, uh, or to increase employment, and we'll remain committed to that. Minister Sarkaria, a second wave seems probable as opposed to possible. What is your small business protection plan for a second wave? So this is a significant consideration that uh, uh, is currently uh, uh, being undertaken, you know, uh, job, the Jobs and Recovery Committee, which is chaired by Minister of Finance uh, and Minister Phillips, we've done over a couple hundred meetings on this committee uh, assessing this exact need uh, of what do we need to look at as we go forward and look at the, the specific needs and what will be required and if and when a second wave uh, hits. So you saw the first uh, instance of, uh, uh, I would say, some restrictions that were placed in, in given the private households. I think we're much better prepared now. We have better data. Uh, we have more information. We know what this uh, virus contains. So I think we're much better prepared this time around to juggle the issue uh, and to understand it and react in, in, a, in a more um, in, in a better way. Fact in point being that we only restricted gatherings at where the spread was occurring because we have the data to prove that backyard gatherings, backyard parties, household parties were really contributing to the spread. Now, it didn't impact businesses. So we need more of these type of solutions, uh, non-cookie cutter so solutions, but uh, solutions that are targeted and ensure that businesses uh, can still operate. And uh, we'll continue to do that. Um, we realize that uh, PPE is becoming a, you know, a central need for many businesses. Uh, we introduced a PPE directory for uh, small businesses or, or any business and any manufacturer of PPE that wanted to 
to sell locally to any of the businesses available. So I think there are significant uh, opportunities for us to continue working with business owners in, in that aspect. But the second wave is, uh, is a significant consideration, and we continue to work hand-in-hand, um, not only with our small business partners, but also uh, our federal partners or municipal partners in preparing uh, to ensure we can weather this together. Reaching out is what it's all about. So, Minister Sarkaria, if a business owner is down to his or her last dollar, last nickel, what should he or she do? Who should he or she reach out to? Well, my office will always be there to listen to our small business owners. Uh, um, you know, this is one thing that uh, I always, from the start of this pandemic, wanted to to highlight is that, you know, in a situation where we really have no playbook, uh, we've never been in a situation like this, we want to hear from as many business owners. We want to know about how we can best support businesses uh, within our communities uh, and how we can best get them back on their feet. Any suggestions, any help that is needed, accessing programs, my office here at uh, um, uh, is more than happy to, to help and support. So please do not hesitate to email us, um, this, uh, you know, associate, the Associate Minister of Small Business and Red Tape Production. We are more than happy to, to help um, any small business owners that, that might need it. Pravmeet Sarkaria, Associate Minister of Small Business and Red Tape Reduction for the Ministry of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade. Thank you for spending time with us on the feed. Thank you so much, Anna. Always a pleasure. Have a great rest of your weekend. And you as well. Thank you. Next on the feed, the emotional and mental toll this pandemic is taking on small business owners and their employees. We now welcome Michael Tibolo, Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. He is also MPP for Vaughn Woodridge. Thank you very much for joining us on the feed. Thank you, and it's great to be back. So I cannot imagine you put your heart and your soul and every penny you have into your small business of your dreams, and through no fault of your own, you may lose it because of this pandemic. What must that do to someone's psychological being? Well, it's uh, it's devastating. I mean, you, we can all imagine a situation where you've done exactly that, invested all your, your money, you put your energy into uh, creating a business, and then you find out that the doors have to be closed because of COVID-19. It causes all kinds of stress and anxiety in the family because bills still need to be paid. Um, the future also looks grim when you can't predict the other side. Um, and, and again, it's a break with routine, which causes not just uh, harm to the business owner and the spouse or partner, but also to the children because they notice and they sense the uh, the anxiety that the uh, parents are feeling as a result of the closures. And the employees as well, who are often, and we hope, uh, always devoted to their business that they're employed in and also to the business owner. It's got to be very tough on the people who work in small businesses. Absolutely. So what are the signs? What are the signs that someone is carrying far too much weight on their shoulders when it comes to being a small business owner or a, uh, an employee? Well, from the standpoint of uh, the psychology behind it, what ends up happening is the individual um, starts to withdraw, and there's because of the, the sense of isolation, there's the desperation of having to deal with the financial issues, there's the issues that uh, start to uh, occur as a result of being in uh, the home for extended periods of time without 
really having the ability to deal with, uh, you know, the kind of issues that we we would deal with every day. So, you know, you have the anxiety as a result of having staff that, you know, can't come to work. You have the kids that, you know, are not uh, in any kind of routine and having to be either homeschooled or the stress of having to, you know, take them to school and being concerned that they could come back with COVID. You have the division within families because the social bubbles, the 10, and, um, you know, you, you're, you have concerns about the seniors and, and the, the grandparents. Um, so it's, it's a bombardment that's coming from every direction um, that, that, that really makes the person feel that um, there's no hope, that, there's, there's, uh, that the, the situation is, uh, is dire. And, um, um, you know, it, it just makes it very difficult for the individual, and that's really what starts the spiral in effect downwards. The other part of this is, and one is not to take it personally, but you open your doors, your small business, you're back up and running again, and people just aren't coming through those doors, and that's got to hurt, and hurt the bottom line, your your pocketbook. It's a difficult situation. I mean, there's a, a, there's a good tool out there that I wanted to just, a toolkit that I wanted to mention, and Ontario.cmha.ca, um, they've created, CMHA has created a uh, toolkit a uh, virtual toolkit that can be used for small business owners and employees to help them support uh, their mental health and, and, you know, as they return back to work. I mean, the individuals, when they're opening the doors, is exactly uh, the concern is how do I go about getting the business back and attracting people to come out. Depending on the business, it may be very, very difficult to do that. But I think, again, uh, you know, we're all very innovative when it comes to looking for strategies. And I've seen some great uh, things happening in the city of Vaughan. I mean, I, you know, the next door to me, for instance, uh, they've got this massive patio. Um, you know, now we're extending the patio season by giving them, um, you know, an extended time to be able to continue. And they're looking at putting in heaters. Uh, a lot of stores are, are doing things to entice people coming in back to the to the stores. Um, it's going to take time, and, and unfortunately, there isn't a simple solution. But um, the, the important thing is, is that people have to feel that there's hope and that there's a support coming. And the government, uh, both provincially and federally and municipally, for that matter, is doing everything possible to ensure that the businesses, you know, are able to succeed because they are the backbone of the province, and it's important that we do everything we can to keep them uh, functioning and going forward. And I think that's the message for the small business owners listening. We're here to help, and we're always available to talk about more things we can do as government to assist in uh, keeping the doors open and uh, trying to get us back to as normal as possible existence as we can uh, with COVID-19 and perhaps a second wave coming. So can you expand on that tool that you mentioned for small business owners? What, what's it about and how does it help? Well, again, what we're trying to do, and there are also other tools that, that toolkits that are available. Remember, we have internet-based cognitive behavioral pro- uh, therapy in the province that's available on the inter- through the internet. Um, there are programs for children. There are helplines. Um, all of these toolkits, what they try to do is instill in the individual the uh, you know an approach that basically tries to get them to be in the present. Um, one of the things that we always find with individuals when they're worried about things is that they're always thinking about the future and not really living in the present, and they become numb to things that are around them. The thing is to, to enforce or to, to, to look at their strengths, to look at the positive aspects of their business, to um, look at you know the family and the importance of the supports around them, uh, to ensure that they can 
continue to socialize um, within the, 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 the physical distancing measures that we've put in place. All these things, uh, and including these programs, are geared to provide hope, to provide um, uh, methods of rethinking the situation so that the individual can really focus on where they are in the present time, what they have in terms of strengths, and focus on those so that they can, in effect, uh, prepare themselves for uh, for change. And, and, again, the ideas that come out through these programs are supports as well in terms of, you know, what is available to help you, not only mentally, but also with respect to the business as well. So there's, there's resources that are available there, and, um, you know, people should take advantage of them because, again, being a small business owner, I, I used to practice law. I had my own practice, and I was considered a small boutique law firm. Um, my concern every day was, you know, is the business going to come in to be able to sustain the business and to continue to grow it? And we were always thinking about how we could improve the situation. And that's really the challenge for, I think, the small businesses is looking for ways innovatively to move their businesses forward. And um, using these tools grounds individuals to be able to, again, focus on the business and not always be overwhelmed by the situation that we're all facing, uh, you know, having been closed as long as we have. And within that is a sense of reassurance that you're not alone, which is very important in this these really difficult and scary and challenging times. Yes. That's probably one of the most important things, uh, Anne, that you've just said that when you have the opportunity to speak to other people, you realize that you're not alone. And, you know, when you think of it from a medical standpoint, the biggest anxiety and fear that you have when you, you know, have a cough or not quite sure what you have is not knowing what you know um, or what you need to know. So the minute you find out, you're reassured. So we know what the situation is. We know what we need to do. But speaking to other people that have gone through it will give us that reassurance to know that there's other people that are engaged. And, and you know, as politicians, you know, sometimes they, they say that we don't care. Um, I think we've demonstrated that we do care and, and how important it is to get the economy, you know, moving again and ensuring that the small businesses are given the support they need to keep the, do- the doors open and, and expand again because they provide really a bulk of the jobs that uh, that, that, that we have in the province uh, to individuals that um, – you know, rely on these jobs to pay their mortgages, to buy food, and to, you know, jump, really keep the entire uh, the, uh, economy moving forward. So we're talking dollars and cents, but we're also talking about a sense of well-being and, and pride. That's a really interesting combination and a very challenging one as well. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I look at, um, you know, people say to me, well, what do you have to do with... Uh, with, with uh, you know, economic recovery. And I always come back and say, you know what, to me, the little store that, that provides me with, you know, the snacks that we buy, that provides me the uh, the stores that we go into, you know, even just to get a haircut, I felt totally different that first time I could get a haircut after I don't know how long a period of time. Um, the, the importance of our mental health sometimes isn't directly related to, you know, psychoanalysis. It's those conversations that you have. And, you know, I invite people to go back to the stores. You know, the conversations that take place with the storekeeper, the conversations that take place with other people coming in and out that um, are are at, uh, you know, stores and locations where, where small businesses operate, these are all things that we need to focus on and tend to keep going and doing more of. Um, I ran into a priest that um, uh, and had a conversation, and I said thank you to him. He goes, thank you for what? 
I said, you probably see more people than any psychologist, psychiatrist, or medical doctor would see in a week through the work that you do. And you're providing that sense of security, that sense of, of hope for individuals. And I want to say thank you for doing that because that alleviates a lot of stresses on individuals and gives them that hope that they need to be able to go out and face some of the economic realities, including people that are in small businesses. So so for me, um, you know, we always say, well, you can't have health without mental health. Well, I really believe that, you know, the small, the storekeeper, the small businesses, they need to believe and understand that the supports are there so that they're healthy mentally. And I think that will drive them to utilize the skills that they have as entrepreneurs to want to get back into the uh, the business, into that, that world and start engaging. And I know that, that as soon as you start doing that, positive feeds positive, the way negative feeds negative. What that will do is create an upward spiral, and then we feed it off to each other's successes, and that makes us want to do more. So for small businesses, you know, get out there, engage, um, you know, focus on the here and now. Focus on your strengths, not on, you know, the weaknesses in your, in, your, in your businesses. Focus on what made you successful to this point in time and how you can use those as a springboard into making your business even more successful. Michael Jabolo, Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, also MPP for Vaughn Woodbridge. Thank you for joining us on the feed. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, Anne. Thank you. When we return, the campaign to get consumers back in stores and supporting their local businesses. That story is next. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Do you have a story idea for The Feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of The Feed coming up. This is 105.9 The Region. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. As many of us try to return to routine, companies are hoping that business will get a much-needed revenue boost. And consumer support is more critical now than ever. Afua Ba with a new national campaign. Fall season quickly approaching. And, of course, there is uh, more talk now about a second wave of COVID-19, uh, meaning many businesses are now wondering how they're going to cope with the, heading into the final months of 2020. Now, with a look at the pandemic's impact on small businesses in particular, as well as a campaign to help build foot traffic at these stores, I'm going to be speaking with Julie Kwasinski, Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Julie, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thanks for having me on the show to share CFIB's views, Afwa. It's much appreciated. It is our pleasure. Uh, we love to, of course, let more people know about uh, uh, small businesses and, of course, just the help that they need, especially in this time in particular. So uh, let's just start off the conversation. We've, of course, seen how the pandemic has impacted the retail industry. Small businesses in particular, though, were hit harder than big box stores. If you can talk a little bit about that. Well, certainly. Um, people are most likely aware that it's been a challenging time for everyone and challenging for all businesses, but more so for smaller businesses. Smaller businesses 
can't weather the storms as much as large businesses can. And we've seen this exacerbated throughout the pandemic. And just to kind of give you what I call the nutshell statistics that really illustrate where small businesses are as you and I speak today, we do a survey on our small business everyday recovery dashboard. And we ask businesses three questions. And what we know today is in Ontario, only 61% of businesses are fully open, 39% are fully staffed, and only 26% are at normal sales. Now, that is the key number right there, 26% at normal sales, yet the bills keep coming in, the rent has to be paid, life goes on. So because of this, we started a campaign back at the end of June called Small Business Every Day. And the purpose of that campaign, AFWA, is to encourage local shopping and connect businesses and people to shop local campaigns across the country. So what does that mean? It means that as a consumer, if you're heading out the door to buy anything on your list, we'd like you to think small business first. Don't go to the big box stores. Don't order online. If you can, shop locally because your shopping in your community could mean the difference between the stores that you love surviving or not surviving after all is said and done after COVID-19. We've even done surveys through our research department that show in Ontario we could lose as many as over 90,000 small businesses after the dust settles on COVID-19. So the circumstances are certainly very dire for small business. You can probably already just feel just the anxiety that these business owners have that they're just trying to make ends meet. Um, and especially then with the pandemic on top of it, it must be so difficult. I mean, words probably can't even explain uh, just how tough it has been for them over the past couple of months. Well, it, absolutely. And I'm really honing in on your word stress. You can only imagine because it, even as a small business owner, these are the people that you see in your communities. They often sponsor the hockey team or they coach the hockey team. You see them in the schools. So they're having the same issues as everybody else, worried about their kids going back to school, worried about whether or not they're going to make sales, and worried about any number of things. Like, can they bring back employees? Can they afford to bring back employees or give them the same hours that they were giving them before? Because a lot of these small businesses, AFWA, they support families, whether it's a family-run business or a family-run business that employs other people. Each small business is like a community unto itself. And we want to see these small businesses continue after COVID-19, and it's proving to be a challenge. Because if you look even, let's take the restaurant sector, for example. As you know, that's a sector that's being particularly hard hit. At any given time, when times are good, the average profit margin of a restaurant in Ontario is only 3.5%. So that's slim pickings right there. So if you add on a COVID-19 pandemic and now there are still restrictions on restaurants, 
Uh, you can only have a certain number of people in the restaurant. And in some cases, some businesses are still only having people eat outside. There are different choices. And buffet-style restaurant eating is not even allowed. So um, that cuts out a certain sector of uh, the economy right there. So that is indeed a challenge. Like, How do you recoup those lost revenues? And I'm going to go back to the Small Business Everyday campaign. If we have people out there doing their part, just shopping locally. Every little bit counts. And what we're asking people to do, Afwa, is kind of to get this the chain going on this. If you go to a local business that you love, your local favorite restaurant, take a picture put it on social media, and recommend it to your friends. Get the ball rolling. Each of these little steps can make a huge difference. Social media is big these days, so any little step that you can take to help this campaign is huge. And what we're hoping to do, anyone can go on the website, smallbusinesseveryday.ca, to understand what this campaign is about. You can be a business. You can be a consumer. Anybody can participate, and we want to keep this going until the end of the year and connect it with key dates throughout the rest of the year, whether it's Thanksgiving, Small Business Week in October, our annual Small Business Saturday this fall, the big shopping days, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and, of course, the holiday shopping season, because this is critical. Um, you look, there are certain federal government programs that are out there, and some of them are combined with provincial money, but a lot of these programs are set to expire soon or before the end of the year, and this is going to be a challenging time for businesses. We're hoping that governments will keep those programs going as long as any closures are in effect anywhere across the country. Julie, I want to ask you, aside from the campaign, have you heard of how maybe small businesses are, are trying to find ideas in different ways to cope in the event of a second wave approaching? That is a very, very good question. Now, we appeared before a government committee, and many other stakeholders appeared as well, many other business groups, and we were asked to present our ideas about impacts on small business of COVID-19. And one of the things we recommended is that the government put forward a plan in case we have a second wave. There are a lot of concerns here. Now, obviously, I've already portrayed the fact that businesses are struggling enough as it is and the number of small businesses that could be lost. So we don't want to see the government go backwards because that would mean even less revenues for small businesses. But there's another point that I can't make enough. I represent small and medium-sized businesses, and one of the things that was very disheartening to our membership was, if you recall early on when all the closures took effect, the big box stores had the huge advantage. If you sold food, you could sell everything else, shirts, shoes, pots and pans, you name it. Meanwhile, the small business owner, if they didn't sell food, they were pretty much out of luck. So... Small businesses were already far, far behind the big box stores. We do not want to see whatever happens in the future that the government make that same mistake again. They need to remember that small businesses are already struggling enough that any steps going backward could actually 
really put the nail in the coffin. I can't put it any other nicer way for a lot of businesses out there that are just teetering on the verge of survival. Julie, just one more time, if you could uh, just remind me about or remind the listeners about the Small Business Everyday Campaign, how they can help, and if they need more info, where they can go. Oh, absolutely. So check out the website, smallbusinesseveryday.ca. And engage on social media using the hashtag small business every day. Check it out whether you're a business or you're a consumer. Every little bit counts. And remember, every day, think shop local first before heading out to a big box store. Perfect. Julie Kwasinski, Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Thank you so much for your time today. We really hope that the listeners heeded the call uh, and really go out there to help local businesses at this critical time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Afwa, for letting me share CFIB's views today. All the best to you. After the break, we hear from the business owners in the new normal. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome back to the feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Our next few stories are about the companies that, because of COVID-19, changed their business model. Amber Pay starts us off with Zoom Zoom. Joining me today is Craig McCutcheon from ZoomZoom.ca. And Zoom Zoom is a service that, like many companies had to do, switched focus from being Rosedale Livery, a, a limo service, which is still in service, to something that a lot of people were looking towards or looking forward to or requiring if they didn't want to go out during COVID-19. And ZoomZoom.ca is a grocery delivery service. They will get things for you from Costco and bring it to your house. So Craig McCutcheon from ZoomZoom, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And we are interested in exactly what ZoomZoom is. Can you can you sort of give us where ZoomZoom came from and the shift between Rosedale Livery and ZoomZoom now? Sure. So, uh, Rosedale Livery, we've been doing chauffeured ground services, you know, worldwide, uh, for 40 years. And, uh, obviously when COVID hit, the travel space, uh, uh, took a major hit. And, uh, therefore we needed to start to, you know, change our focus to what else can we do? And we have our own in-house, in-house, uh, developed technologies and we adapted those to, uh, create Zoom Zoom, which, um, Basically, we've, we've set up a, a grocery store online that uh, uh, specifically shops at Costco and delivers uh, a full Costco shop to your door. Uh, we're utilizing our uh, same staff uh, from Rosedale Livery that uh, aren't being utilized for the uh, limousines right now. And uh, we've basically been able to reemploy everybody that we had laid off. And, uh, you know, so far it's going well. We're in iteration, who knows what now, but uh, we're uh, we're learning as we go. It's uh, it's been exciting to be honest, and and well received. And if, do you deliver specifically to the GTA? Where where are your delivery boundaries? 
So we're delivering uh, probably as far as Burlington, uh, out to Oshawa, and as far north as uh, Bradford right now. And you can do a same-day service, or uh, when I actually did the service a while back, uh, I had set it up for a couple of days in advance. Is that something you prefer, or is, is same-day okay? Well, we, we, you know, we try to do same day. Obviously, there's a, a ton of competition in the, in the grocery delivery space, and people are used to you know, the on-demand type stuff. Um, so generally, if you're ordering first thing in the morning, you're going you're gonna to get that order that day or the night before if you order. Uh, but what we found, and we're really working with the customers on, is uh, you know, why not you know, plan your Costco shop, let's call it, for three days in advance or something, because um, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I need a $300 Costco shop in, in an hour. So we found people are starting to realize, oh, okay, I can plan this out. They'll have an open cart. They can sort of add things, uh, you know, during that time uh, and finalize their order, And but their their delivery slot will be uh, maintained. So it, it's it's the customers are starting to sort of understand that, and I think it's working well. And what I really enjoyed about the experience with ZoomZoom Zoom is that I didn't just get a driver. I got a chauffeur that showed up at my house, and uh, my my delivery vehicle was, was one of those party buses that I see that folks use for weddings. And my chauffeur couldn't have been nicer. He was really sweet. He brought everything not only to my door, but inside my house. There was no contact with him. And it was just a real, an enjoyable experience. And I had a really good time. I, I, I had a chauffeur for a day. It actually made me feel kind of special. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Um... I mean, there are, our, our people are professionals. You know, that's the service we've been in. And, uh, it's, it's interesting to hear that because, you know, we get a lot of reviews from, uh, happy customers. And, uh, you know, we also say in the text messages for the uh, notifications as your orders being processed, et cetera, uh, you know, your chauffeur's on the way, expected mm-hmm. delivery time is this and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, and we've, we've had great feedback on the actual humans that are doing the service, which is, uh, it's been wonderful. And, and they're really enjoying it too, actually. I, I imagine because there are so many people that you meet along the way and that, that actually brings up a great point because when I was using the service, I was thinking, wow, I knew that it was coming between 11 and 1, but at 11 o'clock I received a text saying, your order will be there in 20 to 30 minutes. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. At least it gave me a little bit of time uh, and let me know that it was pretty much on the way and then i was i think it was about 10 minutes later and they they showed up and i was like wow that's a lot faster and it was it was lovely it was well received and it's actually a very easy service to use so walk us through the website a little bit because i'm looking at a lot of uh just it's very easy it's zoomzoom.ca and you go to the website and you have different sections you've you've sectioned it out quite nicely yeah so we wanted to you know make it as simple as possible and uh and it's it's uh you know very usable as well from a a mobile which is obviously important and uh you know we sectioned it out in in your grocery items your uh um you know candy snacks uh, drinks and that sort of thing and um you know it's 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 very simple. I think I think there's about 1,700 products. We now have uh, sale items on there and stuff, which we didn't before. We're announcing, uh, you know, new arrivals and everything, and you know, we're uh, constantly uh, uh, up to date with the products that uh, the Costco's have. Uh, we do have different products. Uh, 
that, that you won't find in your regular uh, Costco.ca, let's say. So, uh, you know, the meats and everything that we have, uh, they're larger quantities, but the uh, the, uh, the cuts and the and the value for them is uh, is incredible. So it's it's a little different, but we've uh, really worked on tweaking what we have there to to meet what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wonderful. Is there a minimum purchase order? Uh, we don't have a minimum purchase order, um, but you know we're again iteration after iteration. We're we're looking at uh, uh, you know kind of number of items. I mean, it's not sustainable to send vehicles uh, scrambling all over the place with uh, you know bacon and eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we're starting to sort of uh, encourage people to perhaps add more items to their cart. Uh, there's not a dollar minimum, but we're we're saying you know. Uh, let, let's try to fill these vehicles because vehicles going without good capacity, uh, it's, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of businesses out there that are, that are giving you a loaf of bread and, a, and some cheese, and it's, it's not a sustainable business model. Right. So, you know, we're trying to figure out what best works. And, uh, and we find, though, the customers generally, people aren't, you know, coming for a bag of milk. No. Um, so, you know, there, there, there's services for that. Uh, we're, we're here for your bulk shop. And what I think is really important for people to know is that you do not need me, you being the purchaser, you do not need a Costco membership for this. That's correct. And you can use uh, any credit card, too. Right. And, that, and it's so easy. Just website, zoomzoom.ca, credit card, boom, boom. You get your texts. Everything is ready to go. And it's it's really easy, and I really appreciate the service. Craig McCutcheon from ZoomZoom.ca. Check them out. Your life will be made so easy. I appreciate you being with us. Thanks a lot, Amber. Other companies are actually growing and have positions available right now. Jim Lang with those details. Well, Melrose Paving is a company been around for decades, and as the name would suggest, they do everything from asphalt to concrete, and you need something done, they get it done. To talk more about it, thrilled to be speaking to more with their business development manager, Melrose Paving, Remo Spaziri. Remo, how are you? I'm great, Jim. Yourself? Good, good. I mean, Melrose Paving's been around a long time. I, well, tell us about the company and it's sort of a little bit of its history. Absolutely, I'd be delighted. Um, we've been uh, we've been in operations for well over forty years, uh, and uh, it's a family owned and uh, run business. Uh, we take a lot of pride in 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 our product and what we produce, and we've had some long term customers, which is outstanding. Now, at this time of year, are you doing uh, maintenance for people or projects, or what kind of things would you find in September would be the busiest thing for Melrose Paving? Uh, we specialize in large industrial, commercial, uh, multi-complex uh, uh, residential uh, work itself, uh, whether it be concrete or asphalt paving. Uh, right now, uh, we're doing uh, re and re's, so the removal and replacements of large, uh, large uh, industrial, commercial uh, projects, as well as the multi-complex uh, retail, as, um, residential as well. Well, Remo, you're the expert, so tell me. I always wonder. Why some places are concrete, some are asphalt? Is there a reason why there's different ways of doing it? Well, you know what? It really it, it, it all depends on the individual job itself. A lot of the clientele sort of give us the spec, and then we execute it uh, to their liking. Uh, but uh, asphalt, you know, mostly for for your main roadways uh, and parking lots, and your concrete typically for pathways, 
trailer dolly pads and whatnot. It all has its own purpose. Oh, right on. Um, I mean, I would imagine now as we're getting into fall and getting close to winter, um, the, the other part of Melrose Paving people don't realize is you guys do a lot of snow plowing. You're probably starting to get busy looking ahead to the winter months. Yes, yes. Um, we've been lucky enough to secure uh, so, some some snow plowing contracts with some of the municipalities within the Golden Horseshoe, and uh, it's definitely coming down to crunch time. Unfortunately, the uh, the snow, whether we like it, is coming, and uh, we need to get prepared and uh, and and see what's coming. Now, are you looking to hire some drivers to add to your roster? We are. We are. We're we're, we're looking to hire a number of uh, a number of uh, qualified drivers. Um, within, uh, like I said, the Southern Ontario region, uh, and uh, we're looking to, to bring them on board as soon as possible. So I, Now, do they need experience, or do they need a special kind of license to apply? They do, they do. Uh, unfortunately, for, for the work that we are looking for, we're needing someone that can hit the ground running. We're looking typically for somebody with two to three years of experience, municipal snow Plowing experience would be fantastic, and uh, they're 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 going to uh, require to have a DZ license as well. Excellent. Now, if someone listening said, "Hey, I, I have that experience. I have that kind of license. I, I could use the work. How do they get a hold of you to start working there?" Call us as soon as possible because we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can call our office at uh, area code nine zero five two seven zero eight three eight three, or you can contact our human resource department, that which is Kate. Uh, and you can get a hold of her at kate at melrosepaving.com. That's kate at melrosepaving.com or call them 905-270-8383. It's hard work but rewarding work. Uh, Remo, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, hopefully it's a good good 2021 for Melrose Paving. Absolutely. All the best to you and all your listeners, and let's keep everybody safe. Here, here. Thanks for this. Thank you, John. It takes a village to raise a child, and in these days of COVID-19, you also need superior child care to keep your young ones safe and secure while you head back to work. And that's where We Watch comes in. Welcome, Sandra Christidis, Area Supervisor. We Watch, Vaughn, Kaladin, and Aurora. So what makes We Watch different from other home child care providers? Thanks, Ann. We Watch is a licensed organization, and we run licensed home child care across Ontario. What's important to understand about home daycare is that we are licensed with the Ministry of Education, so we follow strict protocols right across the board. How can you be sure that the people that you hire in the homes that will be open to young children are up to standard, if not beyond? Once we open up a home child care provider's home itself, we do continue with monitoring, we offer professional development, and we ensure that they are following all the requirements from the Ministry of Education. So standards, that's one thing, and that's so important, but let's talk about the environment that you try to create for the child in the home child care situation. I mean, it needs to be fun, safe, educational. What else can parents expect that their children will receive? Well, especially with the pandemic, we had to make a lot of different changes when it came to um, enhanced protocols related to self, uh, safety and, and health. Um, we already have set standards, but with COVID-19, we had to develop even more enhanced uh, sanitization, 
and cleaning throughout the home. Uh, providers had to screen at the front door, so whenever a child would arrive, uh, temperatures would be taken, and throughout the day, monitoring of the children took place. How did you keep some distance between the children? I mean, that's one of the most difficult things to do. Kids just love to be together, and that's an important part of the uh, pandemic protocol is uh, distance, physical distancing. Yeah, it's super hard. I mean, when we look at a child, an infant, a toddler, it's really, really difficult because we're so used to holding children and loving them and and caring for them, which is what we're going to continue and what we have continued to do. But our providers, they are our heroes. They have remained open during this pandemic while schools and daycares had to close and making it as safe as possible. So the social distancing has been a challenge, but with the use of PPE and setting up spaces where children can have that little bit of distance, it really does help. So what are parents asking you now about the kind of service that they would like for their child and what are some of the questions that they ask you? The number one these days is safety. Um, You know, we do offer that educational and and reliable approach, but safety is so key right now. They want um, an environment that's small, and home daycare offers that because there's no more than six children in a daycare home, something that is licensed and monitored and supported by a strong agency behind that provider um, where children can learn and thrive, and it's like they're home away from home. Sandra, what do the providers say to the children about what's going on right now? It's a kind of bit of a scary world out there. It is. And with that, I mean, we have so, so much support from our home visitors that go out to visit the providers. We have so many resources and so much knowledge and experience behind us that that's what we're here for as an agency, to support them and to help them along each and every single day. Let me ask you about going forward. So we are still in a pandemic and we're seeing the numbers fluctuating. It's, it's uh, you know, things are not perhaps going as they should at this point, but there always is hope for the future. What is the future of WeWatch under the threat of this pandemic? Well, we continue to evolve. And as I said, we're always there for our providers. We have to keep in mind that it's, it's important to keep the providers safe, their families safe, the children safe, and keeping this awful disease and preventing it from entering our homes. So it's a continuous uh, challenge. However, we work very hard every day to ensure that it's always safe for everybody. There must be so much joy in the homes when the kids are there. So let's talk about that. Uh, you know, they are our future, these little ones, these wee ones. Uh, so <laughs> what do the providers tell you? What do you see when you visit and, and inspect? It's wonderful when we visit the providers because they recognize our faces. The same home visitor, she's a registered ECE, goes to each home, and the children love to see us. They love to see the, the home visitor. Uh, we take activities out to the children, and also the providers, they learn a lot from the registered ECE that visits, um, incorporating programming into the daily routine and the support. The support is key, and that's what keeps us strong and better than everyone. If parents are interested in your business, in your product, what are the questions they should be asking you when it comes to finding the right child care spot for their young one? 
Normally, when a parent calls in, they do have set requirements. They want a location that's close to them, and that's the great thing is we have so many homes in each neighborhood. And they ask questions in terms of how many children in a home and what type of programming is offered. And it's great because we give parents that opportunity to meet with different providers to ensure a perfect match. And let's talk about the hiring end of things. If someone was interested, who's listening to your great interview right now, if they were interested in becoming a, a home child care provider, where could they go for that? Yep, so there's no better time than now. We have so much demand for licensed home care, and we we are in search, and we are in need of professional individuals who want to open up their space to licensed home child care. So um, it's, it's just a matter of contacting us. You can visit our website at wewatch.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So we are here to help these individuals open up their home, get them licensed, and get them busy with children. And a quick overview of the kind of person you're looking for. So that the home child care provider is usually someone who has experience with child care. Um, many individuals now are looking to change their career um, to want to get back to the community, and working from home as a home child care provider is, is really important these days. Your website, one more time, Sandra. It's wewatch.com, W-E-E-W-A-T-C-H.com. That's really catchy. <laughs> Sandra Christina's area supervisor, We Watch Vaughn, Caledon, and Aurora. Thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you. If you missed any part of our show, please go to 1059theregion.com or follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.